This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 7, Genre Blending. Fifteen minutes long, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. All right, Genre Blending. Um, Once again, I have to explain my weird uh, title for the podcast. Um, We have talked about mixing genres before. We have talked about... Uh, doing cool things with genre. We've done specific genre podcasts. And I think we call that yeah. genre busting. Genre busting. Yeah, okay. When you take your genre and then do something with it that is that is outside it. We talked okay. about how that yeah. works better in YA. Right, right. Um, one thing I've noticed recently, um, a friend was talking about the Star Trek movie First Contact, which is my personal favorite Star Trek movie, and mentioned to me, you know, that, that movie is just an, a zombie apocalypse movie uh, with the Star Trek characters. Um, and if you're not familiar with this movie, there's this alien race, the Borg, that are slowly taking over the ship one person by a time, dragging them off and turning them into one of them. And it's very dark, sort of, um, and the Borg don't use guns. They're marching toward the people zombie-like. It really is a zombie apocalypse movie. And I realized what Star Trek was doing for that was it was draw, drawing tro- tropes from a different genre and mask- hiding them within its own genre. Isn't there a playground game that works the same way? One person starts out as it, and as you tag people, they are also it, until eventually it's like 30 people on one. Uh, thanks for ruining my childhood there. Um, <laughs> that's a zombie apocalypse yeah. play- playground no, that's game. That's not a playground game. That's mostly just people picking on Howard. <laughs> <laughs> the 30 people that were chasing you, they weren't playing a game. Sorry. <laughs> they told me it was all in fun. <laughs> um, and then they ate your brain. Um <laughs> The, the other thing that I noticed that made me want to uh, do a podcast on this was noticing that I've seen several times where people have failed spectacularly doing awesome things with genre bending. Are we going to mention those four people by name? Um, I will mention one of them. He's, he's a friend of mine. Um, he, his name was John Henry because you should go out and find his books because they're pretty good, good ideas. Um, the idea was Jag and Space, right? Lawyer books. Mixed with military science fiction. Jag, that's the judge, judge ad- advocate general. general. Yeah, okay. he's like a military mm-hmm. lawyer. And so yeah. he was so- doing lawyery things, um, you know, defending in space. people and stuff in the middle of, of, of space in these, these great science fiction settings and things. And um, he said, he, he now um, publishes very popularly under a, a pseudonym because these books had, had some troubles. Um, and um, you should read those books too, by the way, Jack Campbell. Um, anyway, he. Um, he said, said, I think the problem was that the people who liked lawyer books picked these up and looked at them and said, oh, lawyer book meets space science fiction. I don't read science fiction. I'm not going to read these. The science fiction people picked them up and said, oh, I don't read lawyer stuff and didn't read them. And that's your danger with mixing genres. So the problem was that he called attention to it or that he blended two things that, that up until now nobody realized were mutually exclusive? See, I thought it was a great idea. Um, when you say it to me, and yet I can see why audiences didn't pick it up. So let's talk about this. Why do, and this isn't the only one. I've seen people have trouble doing... Let me give you an anecdote Mm -hmm. that's from a completely different uh, medium. Uh, When StarCraft I was being uh, beta tested at E3, and it it had to be an early beta. It may have Mm -hmm. even been an alpha. Um, One of the kids who was, you know, watching the game... You know, looked up and watched the game and said, oh, cool, orcs in space. Mm-hmm. And one of the game uh, leads was standing right over his shoulder and heard him say that and went back to his team and said, we have to start again mm-hmm. because this is not supposed to be Warcraft right. in space. This is supposed to be something new. And so they went back and they retooled the game. So it wasn't orcs in space. It was now... 
and, and what they came yeah. up with was a lot more interesting. So hmm. the, the question is, how do you run in, how do you avoid those problems? How do you genre blend without alienating both audiences? Uh, don't let one of the audiences know they're invited. Um, I would say that's <laughs> that's actually as snarky as it sounds is really good advice. Yeah, it, I mean for the lawyers in space. Yeah, uh, you're not going to get lawyers to read sci-fi, so yeah. you bill it as sci-fi, and you borrow without telling. And you borrow mm-hmm. without yeah. telling. And when we do this all the time as writers, we do it a ton. And I, I think you've hit it right on the head. If those have been billed just as military science fiction books, people b- pick them up, read them, aren't really getting the lawyer revived. They're just enjoying all the things that lawyer stories do without actually realizing they're reading a lawyer story. I'm, mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to do the unthinkable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use, as a negative example, Firefly. Wow. Okay. Because Firefly you know, was blending westerns and right. space. Mm-hmm. I think Firefly got canceled because that opening, that intro, mm-hmm. which we are all in love with yeah. now, that intro looked like corny cowboy stuff with a dumb song that was written by Joss Whedon, and I just didn't Ooh, like bird. it. Bird. Bird. I just didn't like <laughs> Disclosure, Howard and Joss are up for the same award at Worldcon. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm dissing the competition. But I know I, I listened to the song, I looked at the credits, and I thought... This looks like dumb cowboy stuff. I don't want to watch cowboy stuff. I thought this was sci-fi about mercenaries. Now, I turned out to be wrong, and I loved Firefly, and I loved Serenity. But I think that one of the reasons they got canceled is because... They struggled with the average audience. They struggled with the average audience is because many of them couldn't clear that first hurdle. Now, many Mm -hmm. of our listeners may may say, well, forget the average audience. I want to write what I want to write. I say, okay, go for it. Um, I'm not going to give you... You know what? But at the same time, if you've got a chance to reach your audience and get to them all the things you want to get to them without letting them know what you're doing, that might be a better situation <laughs> yeah. to be in. So, so here's a, a counterexample in which this has been done really effectively, which is the Alien series. Uh huh. Right. The first one, Alien. That is science fiction. Horror. That's actually a horror. It's a horror right. movie. Number in space. two, science fiction, but it's actually an action movie. It's actually right. military sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, military action thing. The third one uh, is back to the, this horror thriller thing. Right. And each one is kind of a subtly different genre, all within the umbrella of right. science fiction. Alien did not take the advice that we've offered. Right. Because the tagline for Alien was, in space, ooh, science fiction, mm-hmm. no one can hear you scream. Oh, gosh, it's going to be scary. Mm-hmm. You know, they invited both groups to the party. Um, well, I and they were successful because they, they were, were able successful. to do it very, very well. And which... I think they were successful because those two groups are accustomed to bending the yeah. laws of reality in mm-hmm. the same sorts Beyond of way. Beyond that, I think those two groups have been associated, had been associated before. Um, and I do. That's think true. Horror, could, yeah. horror, and sci-fi are yeah. both genre fiction. Right. Well, in in the early days, there was no distinction. Lovecraft was horror, sci-fi, fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one cared which yeah. one you were really writing. Um, and they would all get shelved together. Um, so, yeah, at the same time, I'm looking at saying, well, I, we, we can look at Mistborn. Um, that was uh, the yeah. example that I would have picked up next. I, want, I wanted people who are reading epic fantasy to read my books. These are the people who are going to love my books um, and going to enjoy them. Now, between those pages, I am borrowing from the heist genre, and I am borrowing from hard science fiction yep. and creating my magic system. But when you pick up that book and look at it, what I want you to say is, wow, I love epic, sci- epic fantasy. I'm going to read this. What I'm trying to do is create epic fantasy that takes some cool things from other genres 
um, and adapts them to epic fantasy. And that's actually one of the big things I had to do in revising Mistborn was not make it a heist novel. Um, not, I had to turn, make sure it was an epic fantasy that used some of the cool things. Yeah, if you had marketed the novel, or rather if Tor had marketed uh, Mistborn as uh, hard science fiction in a fantasy setting, mm-hmm. uh, the fantasy people would have said, I don't like science fiction, and the hard science fiction people would have said, this you, can't do, hard you can't yeah. do hard science fiction in a fantasy setting, yeah. um, and it wouldn't have sold. Well, and mm-hmm. the, it comes back to, what am I trying to do most? Most I am trying to give the sense of epicness that goes in epic fantasy. Yeah. It's in the definition there. That's what I want my readers to get. Epic scope, um, world is in danger, characters who, um, multiple, lots of different characters that you're getting invested in following them through all of this, um, you know, world-ending stuff. Um, and we're breaking for a commercial. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery presents Just One XDM Minute. Episode 3.142, A Testimonial. Hi, this is Melvin Spilkless again from San Diego, California. I purchased XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery, and oh boy, it changed my life. Now my players speak of me with respect and call me Sir and Master. No one questions my absolute authority anymore. And my love life, all the chicks want a piece of this now. Thank you, XDM, for making me popular. Now you too can put life back into your dead role-playing games with the new book, XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery, exclusively available at ExtremeDungeonMastery.com. That's XDM Extreme Dungeon Mastery. Because God doesn't play dice with the universe, we do. And And now we're we're back. back. Okay, well, it was the lamest break (laughs) ever, Brandon. Um... You think we would have learned and something after talking about dramatic product. breaks last week? Yeah. But no, yeah. we don't listen no, to ourselves. Okay. Um, so what have uh, no what have you does. what have you guys borrowed from, and how has it worked for you? Oh wow! Uh, I borrow. Uh, <laughs> I take John Cage's advice. Well stolen is half composed. Um, I borrow freely from from horror. I borrow freely from uh, you know political novels, political thrillers. I. Yeah. If I see something I like, yeah. I use it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to be full disclosure here. Um, this is going to sound hokey, but I think it's going to be cool. I'm working on a um, science fiction um, book right now where I'm borrowing from the sports movie genre. Um, Perfect. Ooh. Yes. I'm going to have spaceship combat that plays like 
um, football. So in the last chapter, does the Admiral's father come into the back of the auditorium? Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> and watch as he makes the winning play. No, oh, no and, the little, and the little, yeah. the little boy on the bridge flaps his arms. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should never have mentioned this to you guys. But oh. no, I'm, I'm taking the sports movie motif. It's got a lot of interesting motifs. It's got a lot of, um, yeah. of interesting drama. And I am going to apply that to a subplot in a science fiction book with a squad of spaceship combat, and of you small can take. Combat. I mean, you can you can play from some of the finest films yeah. out there, like Over the Top. Yeah, um. <laughs> I, I expect a slow clap as well. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, but we've got we've got a spaceship combat built around um, delivering a bomb to the enemy capital ship and then getting away. Um, so you're running a touchdown. There you and go. Just you know, you, know, you end up massacring 500 people at the end of it. Um, but what have you borrowed from Dan? Top that. Oh. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I can. Um, I, I actually tend to, to borrow um, more from the news than I do from, from other works of fiction. Okay. But it's still something that I overtly steal. Mm. You know, I will look out and I will think, here's, you know, tropes of this. I, I want to do this kind of serial killer You know, I think time. that's a whole Ooh. can of worms, though. Probably um, Borrowing is. from the news and from history and adapting into your work. We do that's, a whole podcast yeah, That's research. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's a flavor of research. Yeah. In, in so you of, didn't answer the question, yeah. Dan. In we stumped of you. Genre f- of genres of fiction, um, serial killer, frankly, is half horror novel and half teen problem novel. Oh, yes. The teen problem Good. novel. It, it um, is about a 15-year-old boy who nobody loves. That, now let's look at the marketing. How is it being blah, marketed blah, blah. in, uh, like in Germany, they're yeah. marketing it as a horror novel, aren't they? They're staying away from the teen yeah, problem. Yeah, and in aspect. fact, I yeah. found out recently that Tor is as well. When mm-hmm. the U.S. comes out, U.S. release will be adult thriller. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is probably yeah. smart. The teen problem stuff, it's going, it makes for an interesting plot. It makes for an interesting character dynamic. But you're not going to... You don't want your teenager to identify with... The teen with problem readers are not going to want to read this book. The horror readers are going to want to read it. And they're going to gain mm-hmm. a depth of character is it, characterization. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, yeah. it's not and the that's kind a perfect of thing use you of genre, stick genre yeah. into, blending. You, know, you, you couldn't stick it on the same shelf as a, as a teen problem novel no. because it, it is not. And that's why it is being successfully marketed as something else in so many markets. However, like you say, it uses that to enhance what's already there. Um, Well, that comes back to what Brandon said originally, which is, uh, maybe you didn't say it in the podcast, maybe we talked about it Mm -hmm. earlier, which is that one of the points of genre blending is to take the genre within you you want to tell your story and borrow... You know, famous cool stuff. Plot lines. You know, full mm-hmm. full plot. You know, character arc structures right. from those other genres and put them in your setting where they are not going to be recognized as having been stolen. Right. <laughs> well, let's look at the fantasy genre, the epic fantasy genre as a whole. It is borrowing heavily from the historical novel, yeah. um, which mm-hmm. had a grand, long tradition before epic fantasy really took off. Epic fantasy really is historical. Plus speculative, yeah, um, and that's where it came it's historical from. Historical for history that isn't real, right? I mean, that's that's how Tolkien even built what he was doing, um, and so, all right, so so let me ask yeah. you a question then. Um, when you were talking about how what, when you tried to combine epic fantasy with heist movie, yeah. you kind of backed off the heist I did. very deliberately, and then we have the uh, Locke Lamora books, right. which are much more overtly. Uh, heist movie, thief mm-hmm. movie, and yet yeah. still fantasy. More heroic than epic. Yeah. Why do you think it, it works in that case when, it's, when he, when he yeah. didn't back off on the I heist? I think that um, heroic and heist were working better together than epic and heist. 
Um, what I have to do for Epic is I have to seed for multiple books, um, and I have to have character arcs that go across multiple books, and um, I have to deal with the deep issues of multiple characters, and I have to deal with the world being put in danger in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not necessarily the only aspect of Epic, but you've got to have that scope. Um, by definition, a heist story is more of a thriller story. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not looking for scope. You are looking for a short period of time with bursts of energy. Yeah. Well, it's a heist it story begins, is also it it's done. also a, a, a mystery story yeah. after a fashion, which it, and it's not who done it. It's how are oh. they going to do it? Because right. often it is being done before right. you're being told how it's being done. And so I did actually write the first draft focusing a lot on the heist, and it didn't work for those reasons. Um, Locke Lamora, he can focus on the heist mm-hmm. um, because he's, he's telling much more of a, a, a thriller-type, fast-paced story. And, and I think this raises an important point that, that we, we just need to call out, and that is that if your starting point is, I'm going to work within this genre, and I'm going to borrow a plot right. line from another genre, and your ending point is, you know what, I ended up with a good book that was nothing like I thought it would be like, mm-hmm. congratulations, you win. Yeah. Just because it doesn't feel like Western in space anymore mm-hmm. doesn't mean you failed. It means that you took the right seeds and grew something completely new. I'm going to end with one, um, one caveat on all of this, um, that I still see a lot of editors cringe whenever you pitch any sort of Western anything <sighs> to oh, them. Yeah. Um, the so if you're going yeah. to borrow... Western Make elements. Sure to hide it. Hide it real well. We, we do it all the time because the Western has some great um, tropes, particularly for science fiction. But the Western now is a genre which has a stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. And so if you borrow Western, don't go to the other and say, it's a fantasy Western. Go to say, it's an awesome epic fantasy, and let me tell you about what's awesome It's about an it. epic fantasy yeah. set on the frontiers. Yeah, yeah. Um, when, I, when I was at the Stoker Awards last month, they had a panel about the horror stigma. Mm-hmm. because horror itself has right. that same kind of thing. And somebody on the panel joked that the only way to make horror less appealing to an editor is to combine it with a Western. <laughs> <laughs> we have our writing prompt. <laughs> combine horror and Western, and don't make it look like either one. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 